Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to talk baseball with Bally National MLB writer David Brown. David Brown. David, how are you? Hi, how Andy. You? I'm uh, fully recovered, mostly. Yes, I didn't disclose. I didn't disclose why you were on the injured list. Uh, well, I mean, without designation, it away right there. It's like it's true. When, well. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, and this would be the opposite, but, uh, it's kind of like the players that all of a sudden, uh, aren't active when their team goes to Toronto. Right. <laughs> well, it's like, well, how come that guy? Oh, I know why that guy's not playing. Well, don't make it sound like I didn't get vaccinated. No, I said it's the opposite of that. Oh, you did. Okay. Yes. I didn't yes. hear opposite. I mean, I don't want to disclose your vaccination status, but you just did. You are fully vaxxed and waxed. <laughs> we're glad you, we're glad you're back yeah so yeah i was uh just i was seriously under the weather with the virus du jour wow. and uh but i'm uh feeling stronger every day like the band chicago would say i think it was oh, 2007 maybe where um maybe i'm way off but one of the i don't think it was 2015 it was a year when the Cubs were not supposed to be good, and we're good. And Len Casper dropped that lyric, it's like, you know, during a game. The Cubs are feeling stronger every day. And then for a while, that was like, they threw that into the bumper music. So oh. every once in a while, you would hear it. And I always thought that was kind of a nice touch. They didn't make a big deal out of it. But if you had heard him say it, then, you know, every couple of games, they'd either go to or come out of commercial, and you'd hear that song. Right. Kind of the Twitter hashtag of its time, whenever that was. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, so speaking speaking of the Cubs, um, they are uh, they're still bad, but they are. Um, I always joke because they're uh, that they're super hot. They are actually are kind of for them. They're maybe not hot. They're more than tepid. They've won four consecutive series now after losing uh, 10 games in a row, which is always a good thing to start. You double-checked that? There wasn't a, a tie Well, in there? Yeah, I think I probably was wrong, but now we've now I have to own oh, it. I shouldn't have said anything. No, they really did. They have won series right. against – so they. this is true to them. They uh, lost a series to the Pirates. Of course. Um where they lost games twelve to one, seven to one, and uh, seventy, but they won a game fourteen to five. But then they won a series in St. Louis against the Cardinals, at home against the Reds, then at home against the Boston Red Sox, and then they are just coming off winning two out of three in Milwaukee, where the only game they lost um, was one where they, in exciting fashion, had tied the game in the ninth. Yeah. Only then to, on an inside-the-park home run by Seiya Suzuki. Only to lose it in, uh, in the ni- or get it tied in the ninth and lose the next innings. On a, the most unlikely thing that could ever happen, a three-run home run by Victor Caratini. <laughs> so, according to Taylor McGregor, and nobody, nobody, nobody runs the Googles like Taylor McGregor, that's the only game in Major League history where these three things occurred. A player hit an inside-the-park home run, say a Suzuki. 
A player hit his first major league home run, Nelson Velazquez, and a player hit a walk-off home run, Victor Caratini. A unicorn game. History in Milwaukee. How exciting. Um, as we're recording this, uh, Mark Leiter Jr. is pitching against the Dodgers, and this is a game uh, I would guess that four or five Cub position players will probably pitch in before it's <laughs> So we won't get into that. We can't. That would be an unlawful retransmission and rebroadcast of a major league game if I describe much more of it. Um, what I want to I want to ask you about is the Cubs are in an interesting uh, position of their own volition. They decided that this wasn't worth winning this year, given the roster that they assembled. Um, but they continue to play. Guys like uh, Jason Hayward, until he got hurt, and Andrelton Simmons, who's playing second base tonight. And most puzzling, well, I guess the Hayward one is most puzzling because he can't do anything. Um, David Ross is very fond of DHing Jan Gomes, mm. which is not good. In his, in his brief career as the manager of the Cubs, although I guess three years for a Cub manager, he might be like the fourth longest tenured Cub manager of all time. <laughs> At this point, no he's, Frank Lucchese, I tell you that. <laughs> he uh, he just passed Gene Michael on the all-time uh, wins list with twelve. Um, he has a troubling uh, history of uh, DHing uh, backup catchers, <laughs> including the aforementioned Victor Caratini, who DHed quite a bit during the pandemic season, even though he got like four hits as a designated hitter. Gomes is hitting well under a hundred as a DH. <laughs> this is not a good look. Um, and the Cubs at times this year, uh, although right now uh, the, their prime trade bait uh, pulled his hamstring. So Wilson Contreras is sitting on an ice bag. Uh, but they often, uh, in re- these recent days, are playing three catchers. I'm trying on, to think. Do they have Cubs. a third? What's their – is there a third catcher on their the roster? Great, the great you uh, you are forgiven if you uh, either forgot or didn't know. It's P.J. Higgins. I did forget, and he could play. Apparently, he could play first base. And so, with uh, Frank Schwindel out, uh, Ross will play occasionally if he doesn't. If it's a uh, lefty, he doesn't want Alfonso Rivas to face. Right. Um, he will play P.J. <laughs> Higgins, and it's like, okay, Dave, I know you were a backup catcher, not you, David Ross. I don't want to be yeah. get you confused. Um, I know you were a backup catcher when you played, and you have a fondness for backup catchers. But you should also know, because you were a backup catcher, backup catchers are bad, and they're really only supposed to—they're only supposed to be the backup catcher. So stop giving them other at bats, because I, frankly, I don't want to watch it. Well, you remember when he was a player? I mean, you mentioned that he was the backup catcher, but David Ross was always considered one of those backup catchers who could hit for a backup catcher. It wasn't like he was considered great, but it's a guy you'd put in against left-handed pitching or whatever. Maybe platoon him sometimes, so maybe he feels like he has a kinship. And oh, I'm sure he, know, does. he can sort of transfer that, well, he, whatever that is, the reality of that to Jan Gomes. Oh, he spent the bulk of his career in the National League. True. And when he was in Boston, he played with Big Poppy. So right. not a lot of DH opportunities for David Ross. No, that's true. Do you think when he was like sitting on the bench in Pittsburgh or the Dodgers 
or the Braves, that he would just kick back and go, you know, if we had the DH, I did 35 homers a year. And maybe he just thinks he can give that opportunity to any backup catcher, and it'll be great. Well, you know, you mentioned that P.J. Higgins is on the team, and that gives, you know, that sort of takes the uh, the anxiety or the trepidation away from, oh, no, you know, we can't have – what if the catcher goes down? Well, they don't have that problem because they got they do have a backup That's catcher. That's right. They do. So, and by the way, yeah. if you ever go to P.J. Higgins, try the loaded nachos. <laughs> <laughs> it just, he sounds like a sounds like a sports bar in a strip mall. Is Richard Melman still alive? <laughs> I don't know. Let us let us entertain me, you. Uh, on the so that uh, doesn't make it a good decision, but I mean it helps explain it. No, I have a feeling he's like, hey, backup catchers are people too. Like, no, right? No, you're not. I'm sorry, you're not. All right. Well, let me ask you this, Andy. Who would you be DHing? Well, I so I, I had a bone to pick, and I knew I saw it coming. So the Cubs uh, called up the a fantastically named Narciso Crook. Yes, and um, when so who came off the disabled list? And I'm like, oh no, oh Saya, Saya came off the disabled list, and I was like, if they were smart, they would dump um, like Anderson Simmons. <laughs> because, I mean, what does he do? He doesn't do anything. But they're going to send Crook down, and then they're going to re- just go right back to DHing Jan Gomes. I mean, that's exactly what they did. Now, it's one of my frustrations with the Cubs is that they're not good, but I, we knew they were going to be good, but they they could be more fun than they are. Yeah. And I think they should probably start to worry about that because I, you know, they they own a TV network for God's sakes. You think they'd want people to occasionally watch it? They um, like Nelson Velasquez and Narciso. Crook, I have no idea if either one will ever be worth a damn. But I can tell you, I know that Jan Gomes is never going to be a DH, and I can right. tell you that Anderson Simmons uh, is basically um, he's he, he's now completely just a glove, and on right. a sixty win team, you don't need it. Maybe this is crazy talk. I know. Maybe you should be using this awful season to find out if those two guys can actually play. And if they can, great. And if they can't, then you don't waste time next year because you got other guys you could bring in and kind of find out. Because Nelson Velasquez is actually like fun to watch. He's he's bigger than I thought he would be. He's you know he's kind of a, I yeah I thought he was Rod a skinny little guy. I'm sure he was at some point. Uh, but he's really is fast enough. He can legitimately play center field, and he can throw. He almost he made he's he's already thrown a guy out at home plate, and in a game just the other night, um, he he basically chased poor little Colton Wong around the bases. There were two long fly balls. Wong tagged up from first to get to second, and was shocked to see the ball was basically meeting him at the bag. And then later he tagged up and went to third and almost got thrown out by Velasquez. Right. And he can and he can hit. So they should play him. And I would like to see them play guys like uh, Narciso Crook instead of wasting at-bats on Jan. Because I've seen people go, well, they're showcasing Jan because they're going to they're trade him. Everybody knows what Jan can do, whatever yeah. that is. It's like, A, you don't, yeah, in fact, showcasing him would be, and most effectively would be not playing him. 
they don't need to know any more than they know already. I mean, we don't, let's not give them too much info if we want to trade them. It's like the old, so like uh, Bob Uecker used to say that um, the less he played, the better he was. And the more secure his spot on the team. And if he used to joke, bench me or trade me, was his old thing. <laughs> it, in, his, in his book, Catcher in the Rye, one of the great uh, WRY. One of, the great, one of the great baseball yes. books ever written. I checked it out of the library. He talks about the year that um, whatever catcher he was backing up in St. Louis got hurt. And he's like, oh, God, I'm screwed. Because now I'm going to have to play. And they're going to realize I can't play. And right. he goes, but showing what a clutch player I was a week later, I got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in St. I stayed in St. Louis for two more years thanks to that. That's how the Cubs should be treating Jan. I got news for people. They're not trading Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes is going to be the catcher when they trade Wilson. That was their plan from day one. Okay, so you got to keep him ready for that moment by DHing him. By DHing him, right. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get Jan a lot of at-bats. Why? I don't know. So, It sounds a little bit, the manager situation sounds a little bit like what La Russa does with the White Sox when they play Larry Garcia. Instead of maybe somebody who can hit, you know, and we're just not even talking about starting, but pinch hitting opportunities. There have been a bunch people have been complaining about, you know, a certain rally would happen, and uh, you know you'd stick with Larry and you know Larusa and, and Ross, you know, have that old school Neanderthal, you know, <laughs> they got to go with the, the old guys, you know, you got to earn it, or blah blah blah. Oh, it's all the Dusty Baker. It's, we're in the earn it business. Yeah. Right. Gotta make so sure. I think they, there's a little bit of that going on. Got to get Ramon Martinez some at-bats. Moni. Yeah. Why do we need to get Ramon Martinez at-bats? Ramon doesn't even want at-bats. <laughs> ask, just ask him. He like, knows oh, better. I'm fine. It's cold today. Let one of the kids play. Right. Um. But for uh, good news for Cub fans is the uh, – I will admit this. <laughs> there were – I forgot about Seiya Suzuki for a while. He was just gone. That's it like – And while. then somebody would be like, well, how about Seiya? Oh, that's right. We actually – we do have a good player. Where is right. he? Oh, that's right. And I think part of it is what happened to him. So in typical Cub fashion, uh, it even happened in Cincinnati, which it seems like it was always where the Chris Bryant – uh, oh, he's going to be fine. <laughs> Injury that put him on the disabled list for 12 weeks would happen. Um, Say so he dove back into a base, hit his hit one of his, his finger on his left hand, weird on the bag, and they're like, oh, it's fine. He jammed it. We're not even going to x-ray it. Then a couple of days later, <laughs> right. they see that it's a, it's like pointing in the wrong direction. And like, hey, Say, has it, has it, how long has it been like that? And through the interpreter, he's like, well, since I jammed it on the bag, Dumbass. Like, oh, well, let's x-ray it. And they x-ray it. So x-rays were fine. We don't even think we're going to need to put him on the injured list. And then, like, f- they play, like, six games without him. And then they put him on the 10-day injured list. And right. then uh, a month and a half later, he's finally playing again. It's like, oh. It's like, are we ever? And it's funny because right about, right about, right in the middle of that, they announced that the Cubs trainer, P.J. Manville, uh, had been selected for the All-Star game. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And I joked. He said, "Oh, good. Well, if, well that was before Bryce. Uh, oh, it was right. You know, I guess we found out right about the time Bryce Harper broke his thumb." And I was like, "Well, just send Bryce to the All Star game. PJ will take care of that for him. He's good, <laughs> he's good with hands." 
but yeah, so Saya came back, and then it's like, oh, that's right, he's he's fun to watch, and uh, so that gives us another reason. So if they would, so they play in Saya, and uh, we like Christopher Morel. Yeah, he's fun, and the Cubs have a couple of pitchers who aren't terrible to watch: Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele. And Marcus Stroman is supposedly coming off the disabled list this week. He's the Drew Smiley. Is gonna, Drew Smiley is going to pitch this weekend for the Cubs. Um, I think they might. They might. You know, they're only nine and a half games out of the third wild card spot. Mm. Here comes the charge. <laughs> What's that? Isn't there like a rule of thumb that? Yeah. Okay. You're nine and a half out, but you should take. Of all the teams in front of you, you like yeah. add those games to it too, right? And like by that it's math, the Cubs are teams. like are like forty seven and a half games out of the third. <laughs> so, well, we'll see. Uh, maybe they'll be adding at the trade deadline instead of selling, mm. or maybe they won't because they they're bad. Um, so speaking of rehab starts. Uh, did you see the aftermath of the Chris Sale uh, rehab start? I did. He beat up a uh, dead Worcester? TV in a hallway in a minor league ballpark. Up there in Worcester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How is that Worcester? I just, I don't know. It is. So, you know, I, I try not to make too big a deal. I worked in minor league baseball for one year, so it's not yeah. like I'm a minor league baseball expert. But I can tell you, if he had trashed the hallway for the Beloit Snappers, the other players would have just looked at him like, they're never going to be able to, f- they're never going to fix any of that. That poor wall. That is... <laughs> it's like, you just screwed, the, the hallway wall. was bad enough, and they just destroyed it. It's going to be that way for the next nine years. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not high in the priority. Well, <laughs> like I said, he destroyed, again, a TV that already it's was already not broken. working. Yes. I think because another player broke it. Probably. By I'm another, not sure about that. Probably in a previous rehab. <laughs> yeah. Who knows when that happened? It's not. They're not on the priority list. So. I think Calvin Chiraldi took it out. Right. It was early in the 86 season. Yes, he took the TV out. It's a, it was a, it's a thirteen inch. It had a, it was a height of technology at the time. Right. It had a VCR built into the bottom of it. Right. And it was only thirteen inches, but it was, it was a TV from the '80s, so it weighed <laughs> way too much to move. Yeah. That's why it was still there. Right. It, was, it made the. Now that it's been, it was actually holding up that part of the clubhouse. <laughs> it's now structurally unsound, thanks to Chris Sale. Um, I he. He's just a weird dude. I mean, yeah. that won't even make it was. Oh, well, and then he complained about the fact that somebody videoed it, right? And the way he said it was really weird. He's like, "If I was at Bank of America, nobody would have cared." I'm like, "If you went into the, you went into a Bank of America and started trashing stuff, people would care, Chris. Yes, it's a bank. You'd probably get shot at by the security guard. Right. I think what he meant was, if I was a bank teller and I threw a fit at work, nobody would care. And I'm like, I, th- I think they would. Because you're handling people's money. It's a bad example. Players, sometimes they're just a little bit removed from the reality of us regular humans. I feel bad for him. I know if 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 Drake LaRoche had been there to help calm <laughs> him down, that I think that would have helped. Um, I think it would have 
Uh, it, <laughs> it's been fun to see like some of the guys on rehab assignments, um, like Jacob Degrom, and you saw the ridiculous uniform he had to wear. It was like yeah. The, the, and uh, the best was the F- Robinson Cano's first game in El Paso, and they wore the SpongeBob. He's <laughs> <laughs> a border a guy who, if, if not for a failed PED test, would be a sure thing Hall of Famer, right. wearing a SpongeBob jersey in his first <laughs> his first game as he's debased himself to try to play his way back to the big leagues. <laughs> but then you go the other way, and you've got like crazy Max Scherzer. Like Mr. Intensity. Right. The guy who wouldn't let the um we talked I think we talked about it on this podcast, right? The yeah. poor guy was trying to throw out the first pitch. <laughs> Max right. didn't let him because he'd already gotten to the mound. Right. Uh he made his rehab assignment and he like bought all the guys AirPods and somehow managed to buy a uh, got a six thousand dollar meal catered <laughs> for that. <laughs> It's a sad state of minor league baseball that um, it's like it, it takes like a major leaguer rehabbing for the, them to actually get a decent meal at the ballpark. It's kind of like those stories of, uh, you know, people's friends or acquaintances, you know, they, they they buy this person a car so they don't have to go take the bus every day, six miles, 60 miles to work or whatever. And people are like, oh, it's such a heartwarming story, except for the fact that there's like all kinds of people that can't afford cars to go to work. You know, it's it's sort of missing the forest for the trees yep. a little bit. I'm sure there was somebody on the team who was like, hey, thanks, Max. Um, couldn't you have just like uh, given us the money and we could have right. we could we, yeah. we could have bought groceries for a more. few weeks? Would that No. All right. That's great. Right. Because I could buy like four steaks in a lesser restaurant with us, but guys are putting like they're taking steaks off the thing and like putting it in their duffel bag. Right. <laughs> taking this on the road trip. <laughs> they're like Uncle Frank in uh Home Alone on the airplane with the silverware and Is that real silver. Uh, that's good stuff. Um yeah, anyways, well, you know, it's not even, that won't even be the, the clubhouse thing that Chris Sale is most remembered for, because it'll right. still always be the time that he took. Um, he didn't even take a, he didn't, so the Sox were wearing ridiculous throwbacks. Yeah. They were like the, I'm trying to think of what year the, they were. They, they were like the weird, the pajama tops from like the 70s, yeah. right? I think that was yes. the throwbacks. And he I don't remember he was gonna, if it was the black or the blue, but and, yeah. It was, yeah it was he, he thought he was going to look ridiculous in it. I like right. Chris. You look pretty. You, you you're like a mop, with, right? Uh, you know, you you look ridiculous in anything. Just wear it. But then the, they said, well, he took scissors to all the jerseys so they couldn't wear them. And that turns out he didn't. He took a knife to right. all the jerseys. <laughs> so Is it a like, box cutter or a knife? It's probably a box cutter. But you imagine being like the clubby who just walks in to check how things are going. <laughs> and there's Chris Sale with some sharp object slashing everything. You know, it was just he just took like that. Um, he just took a few steps back. Like right back out of the clubhouse. Yeah, the uh, like the gif of the guy who comes home and his apartment's on fire. <laughs> hey, Chris, what's up? Oh, you know, I think I left my headlights on. You just keep doing whatever you're doing. I didn't see nothing. You don't know me. 
Yeah, and people are like, well, you know, I want my ace to have intensity, and it's, you know, and that's you think not... about, like, the thing, no, you think about, you mentioned Max Scherzer. I mean, there's a guy who can get a little nuts mm-hmm. without necessarily, I mean, maybe he'll have at it with the guy throwing out the first pitch or whatever, but he's got his limits. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to commit a, a class D, you know, misdemeanor or whatever to get through the day. So uh, Wayne Randazzo, um, yep. he tweeted uh, after Max's return. I don't remember what the, his actual tweet was. He goes, you know, you get two things with Max Scherzer. And it was like intensity and something else. And I just, I just tweeted back to him. You get two things. You get a brown eye and a blue eye. <laughs> Wayne thought that was pretty funny. It is. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did you, did you, did you know that? And yeah, Nobody ever talks about it. <laughs> did I know? Did I know that he has two different colored eyes? Or Jerome Bettis is from when Detroit? He, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> when he when he was pitching for the Nationals, they would actually turn that the scoreboard on the wall behind him would just be that close up of his, of both <laughs> eyes. Right. It was just the creepiest thing. It's like yeah. Like, uh, it's like, do we really? Do we don't need? They don't. It's it's like a. It's supposed to be like a not like a cute little fact. We don't need it. Right. We don't need it glaring at us. We don't need to be frightened for three hours. I got a soft spot in my heart for Max. Um, When uh, the Nationals took the lead in Game Five in the 2017 NLDS against the Cubs, and um, the Cubs had experienced it finally the year before, which was big spot. Bullpen door opens up and outruns your ace pitcher. Like when John Lester came in in game seven. And you're like, holy shit, this is what it feels like when a real when you have a real team and you get to do this. Nats get the lead. You know, their tortured playoff history was about to yeah. end. Here comes Max. And the Cubs had that ridiculous inning that had everything in it. It had, you know, like catcher's interference and an error and whatever. And Max gave up the gave up like five runs and the lead. Right. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> good stuff you have a heart yeah yeah my heart has limits um so that was we already mentioned dusty once before but that was a game managed by dusty baker uh they announced the futures game rosters today (laughs) and uh darren baker is on the futures games rosters and um so I mentioned to you right before we started recording that I uh, I made a, a pithy little tweet uh, today when the rosters came out and the Cubs have one future one guy on the futures game rosters uh, and the, he's on the U.S. team. It is uh, scrappy center fielder Pete Crow Armstrong. Yes. And I tweeted out how can the Cubs have ninety seven of the top hundred prospects in baseball? How do they only have one guy in the futures game? And I'm like, <laughs> isn't that funny? Uh, I even I even hashtagged it with the prospect perverts. I patting myself on the back, and then one of my Twitter followers replied but tagged Keith Law in it. Keith Law took it seriously. He sicked Keith Law on you. And it's like, well, they would have had Brennan Davis on it, but he's had back surgery. Like, okay, that wasn't the point. The point is, Cub fans are a little too giddy about this farm system, and everybody's great. Every prospect is amazing. It's going to be the best one ever. (laughs) Uh, But it's nice to have uh, have Pete on the team. but uh, I noticed, so Keith wrote, a, actually, he, he, he used the reply, savvy, to link to an article he had just written for The Athletic, going over the 
um, the futures league rosters or futures game rosters and uh, the what the picks he thought were good and the ones he thought were not so good. You'd be shocked to know. Not a fan of Darren Baker being on the futures game yeah. uh, roster because in Keith's words, uh, Darren is not actually a prospect. <laughs> in fact, uh, I had, uh, here it is right now. It, it starts. Baker is not a prospect. <laughs> he's Dusty's son and he has speed and that's it. I've seen him a ton here in Wilmington where he's hitting 264, 328, 347 as a 23-year-old and a four-year college product in high A, making him too old and too experienced for the level. And he said basically because the Nats already have Kate Cavalli on the team, uh, they don't need uh, poor little Darren. Mm. Um, I do think it would be really funny if uh, they if they do a post-game press conference and Darren is the subject of the post-game press conference, that he sits at the dais with Dusty on his lap. <laughs> And they shouldn't explain it. Don't say a word. Just play it straight. Dad sits on your lap. You just answer the questions. The two of them are done. The two of you just get up and walk out. Right. Just like it was 2004. Now, I wonder if the game was in the game's in L.A. So there's a dusty connection because he was a Dodger. Mm-hmm. But if the game had been in San Francisco, could they have somehow rigged it in the Futures game? Where at some point, J.T. Snow had to run on the field and grab Darren and like, Pull him off the field. <laughs> they just reenact the time that. Uh, how old was he when he was the bad boy? It's like three. It was like three, maybe four, but no I mean, older. Than yes, that. it was adorable, but he had no business being out there. No, being a worker. And he thought the he thought the ball. You know, he's like, oh, I gotta go get the bat. Right. And the ball was in play. Uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And then they had to had institute the minimum age for bat boys or bat bat people, bat children, bat persons, bat children, bat, <laughs> bat kids. What would the? I don't know what the term would be. Bat kids is good. The bat kids, yeah. It sounds like a Saturday morning uh, cartoon when we were kids. Yeah, and they were spinning off superheroes whenever they could just to kill time. The bat kids. Darren Baker, not the only legacy on in the Futures game. Uh, so Mark Leiter Jr. started the game tonight for the uh, Cubs. So this would be his cousin? Cousin, yes. Jack. Jack Leiter. Is, uh... Wait. Hmm. Right, because Mark and Al are brothers, right? Yeah, this is... I thought Al was Jack's... Uncle, oh. still is there like another? Is there like a Cooper Manning lighter, or is it? Who is? <laughs> is there a couple? You know the annoying one, one of the annoying things about that is that they they pronounce it Cupper, and that really bothers me. It's like the name is it has two O's in it. It's Cooper. I know you have weird drawls down there. I always thought Al was Jack's dad. Maybe not. Yeah, he is. I'm not sure why I was confused. Okay. I just double checked. He is. Well, probably because Mark Leiter was a prospect before, and Jack, and he, he was Uncle Al for him. Maybe yeah, Jack's his kid. All right. Um, Although that would have been obvious that it was that Mark yeah, Leiter was not. Wouldn't it be Leiter's great? Son, wouldn't it be great if Mark Leiter Jr. was Al's kid? 
in reality. He's like, oh, we just we thought it was funny. We just named him Mark Leiter Jr. <laughs> yeah, it's an inside joke. <laughs> I want to honor my brother. <laughs> um, you'd be shocked to know uh, the Jack Leiter, you know, he's the second pick in last year's draft, right? Solid pick yeah. in the Futures game. Keith Law, not having it. Um, so he's famous enough to belong here, but he hasn't been very good. Uh, he started at double A and he has a 5.36 ERA and a 12.5% walk rate. Disappointing for a pitcher with advanced command for a college guy. I generally succeed with location rather than pure stuff. Mm. Uh, the good news, supposedly, I mean, it's it was good good news if it's true if it ends up working out. I'm not denying that it's. I'm not saying it's false. Uh, Brennan Davis, the Cubs' top prospect, who would be patrolling one of the outfield spots right now, had he not. Likely, had he not uh, screwed up his back this year and had back surgery, uh, he expects he's going to play again this season. Hmm. Um, most likely late in the AAA or the yeah the AAA season. And he wants to get some at bats, and I'm sure they'll probably, if he's still ambulatory at the end of that, they'll probably send him to the Arizona Fall League, and then we could start this whole thing all over again. Oh, um, again next year. Um, do you know who Brennan Davis's dad is? Yeah, um, but I forgot. He's a former Chicago Bull, uh, Kansas City King, and uh, the original coach on the uh, NBC Saturday morning show Hang Time, where he was replaced by Dick Butkus. Reggie Theus. Reggie Theus. And uh, one of the things I... I can't wait for it. You know, nobody loves to talk to dads like Taylor McGregor and the Marquis gang. Right. Um, Reggie is not part of Brennan's life. Yeah. And, and not somebody... even in a Russell Fielder, Prince Fielder kind of way, like less. Yeah. Um, somebody's going to need to remind Taylor that before – the first game where she wants to, she wants to chat up um, because she did. um, She did interview um, Mark Leiter Jr. about his dad and did not realize that there had been a horrible divorce Mm. and um, put poor Mark in a very weird (laughs) spot. Fishing for nice things to say about dad, when apparently Jr. doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about dad, which is, which is very Prince and Cecil Fielder. But that's for a different reason. Um, so the year I was with the Snappers, so was Prince. And um, Cecil was around quite a bit. You go into Don Money's office and there Cecil would be with his big Yankee World Series ring on. And, um, we got to see Tony Gwynn quite a bit because Anthony Gwynn was on the team. Yeah. And one day I showed up for work and one of the guys said, we're not going to be seeing Cecil anymore. <laughs> I'm like, why is that? He said, oh, he said, uh, Prince just got served <laughs> with papers meant for Cecil because they can't find Cecil. Apparently Cecil has been defrauding uh, casinos in Las Vegas and he was doing it with Prince's uh, signing bonus. So he basically spent all of Prince's signing bonus. And that was pretty much the end of Cecil and Prince. And we didn't see any more of Cecil. 
Can you imagine if a Taylor McGregor interview uncovered like something like that live on TV? <laughs> so, uh, do you ever talk to your dad? No. Well, uh, it's hard. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't accept collect calls from prison, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he in? Is he in prison? Yeah, he stole all my money, and I sued him, and now he's in. Is there still? Well, I guess that would be fraud. You go to jail for that. It wouldn't be debtor's prison. You actually, you could actually go to prison for fraud. I think. Right. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, when is the MLB draft? Is it next week? It's yeah, coming. it's during the All Star. It's Sunday. Oh, that's right. It's now part of the festivities. Yes. How fun! Um, Not this coming Sunday, but the next one. Yeah, I believe. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be this Sunday. There's still uh, there's games still this weekend. Uh, yeah, but um... right, I believe the Cubs uh, have the Orioles next week, and then somebody else, and then it's the All Star break. Well, the draft starts Sunday the seventeenth and ends on Tuesday the nineteenth. Okay, yeah. So a week from this coming Sunday is the draft. Yeah. Um, and try as they may to make the draft a thing. It's just really hard because uh, we have just really haven't seen very many of the guys. Like, if you're a big college baseball right. fan, you've seen some of them. Right. But you didn't see the high school kids. And I'm sure you didn't see the community college kids. Right. So it's just a lot of it's – a, it's a draft where you're – you're reliant completely on the uh, experts to tell you, yeah. to get you excited or mad about your team's picks. Um, in the most recent, remember this crap, it was 2010. And um, we were like, oh, who did the Cubs draft that year? And Mike's like, I think that was the Javi Baez draft. Like, no, that was 11. And I looked and went, oh, God. It was, uh, do you remember? Um the Cubs picked three, actually, ironically, three spots after Chris Sale. The Cubs picked a diminutive pitcher from an obscure college who had mononucleosis. They drafted Hayden Simpson. Oh, that's right. Hayden that's Simpson. just about the worst draft pick in Cubs history. He didn't do anything. So I was thinking about who the Cubs should take this year. Is there a way? I don't know the ins and outs of the, of the draft. Could they just draft Shohei Otani? <laughs> <laughs> just walk up and hand Rob Manford the card. The Cubs have drafted. Wait, can you guys do this? Uh, we think. We don't know. Shohei Otani. I guess he's a Cub now. Sorry, Angels. I'm, uh, I'm not 100% certain, Andy, but I think uh, you cannot draft anybody from certain countries. Oh, that's right. That's the only thing that's happening. They need the international draft to draft Shohei. That's right. the only. It's the only reason that my plan won't work. <laughs> right. Oh damn. Well, that and, and that that he has a team, but. Oh. Are we sure that's a? Are we sure that's a deal breaker? It is the angels. But a lot of changes in the laws these days. Yeah. I don't know if that's a crime anymore. The angels are willing to commit crimes, but I don't know if they're. If the Cubs could commit their own crime to steal Otani. I don't know if that would work. Um, 
Oh, another idea I have for the Cubs. I'm full of them. They uh, they, sh- they should take the only one they've used so far is uh, my nickname for the extra runner in. Um, <laughs> it's really caught on. JD used it again the other night, and Beth Mo- Beth Mowens was doing the game with him, and he's like he the I forget who it was Nico or somebody trots out to at the top of the tenth and. Uh, JD goes, and he goes, the Manfred man here in extra innings. And Beth was like, oh, like the band. And I'm sitting home like, it's mine. He's using my joke. And he can't, I'll never get credit for it because it's marquee. And I do nothing but rag on them. I'll never, you know, but uh, I know. The listeners, you made that the t-shirt readers, yet? They all know. I still haven't made the t-shirt, no. I got to find, um, I was thinking, you had a great idea that I, it needs to have Rob on it. And we have to have, I'm like, maybe I can play with like a, uh, Alfred E. Newman, because he's got the teeth. Uh, Ron Howard's brother sort of looks like yeah. uh, oh, up Rob Manfred. That's that's a good idea. Maybe I'll, I could probably call Clinton just ask him to send over a picture that I, I can use. We'll get on that. I have taken a picture of Rob Manfred myself that you could have. Have you? I have. Yeah, it was at the Royals World Series that one year. <laughs> Did you? Um... <laughs> Were you in? The, were you in the clubhouse after they after they won it? Well, I think they did on the field. Yes, but I, you know did they you, also. My only question is: Did you get to meet the guy from Ford who gave out the truck? <laughs> yeah, the, the strange. <laughs> the, 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 it's the greatest part of a trophy presentation ever. <laughs> is he clearly had this thing memorized, right? And he was going to say it no matter how fast it came out, right? He was going to get through it. And uh, um, that was oh that was when the Giants won though right wasn't he giving the truck to Madison Bumgarner? Yeah, that yeah. was the the one that you're was, thinking so of the year before. Now yeah. to present the MVP award presented by Chevrolet, we have from Chevrolet the regional zone manager Rick Wilde. Thanks, Madison. Congratulations. Um, as the official sponsor or the official vehicle of Major League Baseball, Chevrolet is proud to participate in this uh, prestigious award. Um, along with our dealers, we are also extremely honored to give back to this sport uh, by supporting baseball in cities and towns across this nation. At Chevrolet, we have um, we have also been proud of the latest and greatest uh, technology in our truck lineup, which is the all-new 2015 uh, Chevy Colorado. Um, it combines class-winning and leading, um, you know, technology and stuff with uh, Wi-Fi powered by OnStar, sitting there on the screen, to recognize your performance in this 2014 World Series. I proudly present to you very own set of keys to a brand new 2015 uh, Chevy Colorado. Congratulations! Congratulations! The only guy I've ever seen be truly excited that they were getting a vehicle was Ben Zobrist. Like right. he thought that was the, he was, you could just tell he thought that was like the coolest thing ever. He's like, I, right. get, to, I get to keep this. I like, so good. Uh, is there a way I can shelter it for my wife? Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to want to let the pastor drive it. And I'm not going to let her do that. There's something going on there. I know it. Um, no, Ben was like legit. It's just because he's the nicest guy in the world, I think. Right. He's basically like he wants. He's like making the car guy feel good by being excited that he gets the car. Right. Where the other guys are like, "Oh, I'm not gonna drive this piece of shit. I got, I already got eleven cars nicer than this. What right. am I gonna do with this?" 
I guess I can donate it to the to the local junior high or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but I think that'd be great. Um, here's a column idea for you: track down the guy from Fort, see what he's up to. Where are they now? <laughs> <laughs> he's probably a vice president at Ford now, making. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna look for that ceremony on YouTube and start my research. Yeah, you should. It's well worth it. Okay, so I um. Because the draft is kind of a dud. I mean, I get it. You have to have it. Um, you know, got to get, got to stock these teams somehow. Sure. Uh, I have a better idea what baseball should do. And I, th- I was thinking about it. I gave this a lot of thought. You're, you're going to really enjoy this, I think, my idea. <laughs> I gave it some thought, and I was thinking, okay, so they could, should do this after the season. I thought, no, they shouldn't. They should do it during the season. Here's my thought. I want to, based on the idea of the Rule 5 draft, here's what I think they should do. So we get to the all-star game and every team can protect 14 players on their 40 man roster. (laughs) And every team can lose up to two players. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to go. And I, I think it would be fun to have like a lottery. So we get Rob up there spinning the, you know, turning the thing with the little ping pong balls rolling around and he pulls it out and he's like, Hey, it's the Cubs. And the Cubs now get their pick of any player they want that's not protected on any other team. And when the season resumes on Friday, that dude's a Cub. I mean, why not? Let's Kurt just... Flood rolling over in his grave, but well, you got to. Well, but you have to. T- you have to inherit the contract. It's part right. of it. If the guy's right. going to be a free agent, but you want him, you're going to get him, and he's still going to be a free agent. If all of a sudden some guy signed a contract, you're like, oh, I like that. That seems like a good deal. Oh, they didn't protect him? He's ours. This seems like something that they would do in European soccer. It probably is something they do probably in, is. in European soccer. Maybe that's where I saw the idea. <laughs> Actually, they could do I don't know if you've ever watched them do the World Cup pairings. Mm-hmm. Where they play the weird music, and they have, like, the different colored ping pong balls. And then one guy picks out a ping pong ball, and then somebody else pulls, like, a ribbon out of something with a name on it and they say it with the with the most hilarious accent possible you know right. they're like bangladesh i was like oh good there and then there's always complications okay bangladesh there should be in pod four but they can't because thailand is already in there and they can't play thailand so now they're going to go to pod six and everybody's like what are we just tell us what they're going to play later we don't why are we watching this that'd be the same idea they could do like be part of uh it could be part of All Star Week. I like think about I how like excited all of a sudden teams would be coming out of the All Star because how much fun is it? Like right, the one of the cool things after the trade deadline because I'm a nerd is watching the guys like seeing the guys in their new uniforms and trying to figure out what number. Like, well, he can't he can't be 17. They already got a 17. What number is he going to be? Oh, it would be like it would be chaos through the whole league. And since they've already thrown like the regular season is a dud now anyway, because they added the extra playoff teams and half teams aren't trying to win. You just, you, you have to, they're already trying to manufacture excitement with the extra, with the man for man. And with this, they're going to, um, they're going to make the bases like six feet wide next year. And they're going to do all this other stuff. Why not just have, uh, have, they call it the super draft and you have the super draft at the all-star game and think about how pissed a bunch of guys would be. Cause there'd be, you know, there'd be all-stars, that right. are getting ready to play the next day, and they're like, "Fuck, I got traded." You know, what am I? I'm a Ranger. I don't want to play for the Rangers. Well, tough. Well, they'd shit. have two days, Andy. It wouldn't be the next day. They'd have a couple of days. 
Yeah, that's right. Do they no longer remember when they <laughs> baseball in their <laughs> wonderful way of showcase baseball? Um, one year they just randomly decided they would play a. I think that I believe they ended up replacing this with the Field of Dreams game. But remember, one year coming out of the All Star game, all of a sudden Cubs and Cardinals had to play on Thursday, and it was yeah, the only right. game. And like this is gonna be a big deal, and it's like no, it's they all they're gonna play 19 times this year. Oh, you're just right. inconveniencing the players by making them all come back a day early. Your idea would uh, incur it. Well, you'd have to have lots more trades because you'd have the imbalance of losing certain players in the uh, in the draft. You wouldn't but, necessarily. But you okay? Say um, say you're the Yankees, and somebody snags. Uh, they take Glaber Torres off your hands. Right. If you still have a pick and you're like, well, shit, we need a middle infielder. You just steal somebody else's middle infielder. Yeah. You yeah. Know what, you yeah. know what would really happen with kind of what happens to the expansion draft. There'd be a bunch of prearranged trades. Mm. Like, okay, so if you get the pick and you can do this instead of this here, we'll give you this guy instead and give us that, which would increase the amount of like wheeling and dealing. For sure. I like this idea. Now I'm going to just all upset. That they're not you know, that I came up with this great idea and they're just never going to do it, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna pine for the idea that I had that will never happen. Well, they've already done your idea for Manfred Mann, even if they don't give you credit. So, if they were to do more ideas from you, that would be I don't want to say asking a lot, but well, I mean it would be honestly I don't know what Theo is doing in his fancy phony mm-hmm. baloney job, but I've already come up with better ideas on this podcast yeah. than he has. So I clearly should have that job. I feel like, and I think this could, I don't think your idea is going to happen, but. You don't? I don't. But someone else has had the idea to cut the season in two, like they do, like they did it after the strike in yeah. 81. Oh, they do that like in the low minor, minor leagues. leagues, too. Yes. I, I don't think there's any way that maybe 10 years, but no longer than that. I think that's how they're going to do it. And I'm not sure that they shouldn't. My favorite thing about the, uh, the split season in 81, because that was the year they did it because of the strike was that the uh, Cardinals had the best record in the National East and they didn't make the playoffs. (laughs) Oh, that's what people don't know that people talk about the Reds, but the Cardinals, they didn't, they didn't win the first half and they didn't win the second half. And that's how you got in. The only way they could have got in is if the same team had won the first and second half, then they would have taken the second place team. It would have been them. Right. It wasn't, it was different teams. And so screw you Cardinals. You can go home. Maybe what they could do is just kind of amend that system a little bit and, allow for the team with the best record at the end of the year to make the playoffs in, in some way. I think, I think that's how you kind of get around that. So we don't have a, a Cardinals missing the playoffs or the Reds who had the best record in the league and didn't make the playoffs. I think you could, uh, can we make that. it though? So that if it's the Cardinals, they can't go. <laughs> They're the exception. Sure. I mean, we can at least that that'll be in our proposal. We know what will happen because what will happen is they'll somehow end up giving them extra compensatory picks. Right, <laughs> extra compensatory. They just seem to get them. They yeah. just every time, anytime anything happens to any team, the Cardinals get an extra draft pick. Right. Oh yeah, you're you're a mid-level exception. That's not the language, but it's whatever they call it. 
So it's funny because as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, you know, there, there, there's kind of a loose structure for this already in place. And I don't know if you know this, but there, uh, this is a very dark scenario. <laughs> but there are, there is a procedure to follow if, say, one of the team's plane crashes. <laughs> and you have to restock a franchise. Right. There's rules already in place. But they would have to do that. They basically would have a draft. And you would have to you would protect X amount of people, and then the team that basically lost their entire active roster to you know they got Patsy Klein into a mountain, mm. or Buddy Hollied maybe. Um, well, Patsy Klein, if it's a mountain, yeah. What did they? They just hit a cornfield, Buddy Holly and Big Bopper. Yeah, I think Valley. so. I think they flew upside down or whatever wind shear. I don't know. I could I call, like Paul, I could call Gary Busey and ask him. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> sure, I'm sure he remembers. <laughs> I played Buddy Holly. You did, <laughs> Gary. You did. You were pretty good, actually. All right, good. Um, so they have there is a procedure in place for that, and you could kind of follow the same thing, except without the disaster. Think how much more fun this would be than that would be. Right. I still want it to happen. The other thing is, I think. Um, so. They talked about the the special powers Rob Manfred has gotten. Like he gets to pick, he gets to pick an extra player for each All Star team. Right. And apparently they're going to be uh, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera because uh, got to watch the the guys who can't play anymore play one more time. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, if you're going to give him extra powers, I think he needs to uh, just at random times whenever he feels it. Okay, this is another thing that got me thinking. Is the um, we way too many position players pitching? It happens all the time. Yeah. An egregious example of it was the other night. The Cubs had a six-run lead in the ninth against the Brewers. The Brewers had Brousseau, or the guy's the third baseman. He was pitching. Yeah, Mike Bruce. I think Mike Brousseau. Yeah. I'm like you're you're only you you're only down six to the Cubs. I know. Why are you giving up? Uh, I think Manfred should be able to tell teams that a certain guy is now a two-way player. <laughs> and my the first guy I think he should do is I think he should tell the Cubs that Seiya Suzuki has to pitch for them now. He's still <laughs> going to play right field, but he's also going to pitch. Right, and we'll see if he's the next Shohei because hmm. I think he is. <laughs> I think it'll work out great for. You I think it'll work out great for Seiya. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago we had a we had a fill in for you, uh, Mike Presnowski, and. Um, one of the things I talked about was uh, I don't the it's not official I don't think like it's kind of an, uh, but there is a like not an MLB you can't buy it through the team shop but there's a jersey you can buy in Chicago it's a Seiya home pinstripe jersey where his name is on the back in kanji in the actual mm-hmm. and it's awesome and I he should wear that yeah why yeah why wear the Americanized version of your name. You mean for every game? Yes, that should be like his. Yeah. And they should let guys do that. That would be cool. I guarantee they'd sell more of them. Right. That's it's well, the people who are like, who's oh, that's a cool looking jersey. I'll buy that one. Right. Who's this guy? And then you could, you know how would, like uh, like girls on spring break who get tattoos and they get like Chinese <laughs> characters and the and the tattoo artist puts a completely different one on than the one. It doesn't mean what they thought. Right. You could do that to kids that, or you could do it to people who buy the jerseys. Right. 
And you can just say, oh, yeah, it says Suzuki. You know, and really it says, you know, um, I eat boogers in Japanese or whatever. And the guy's proudly wearing it around all day. <clears throat> I like that title is just for anything. Girls on spring break who get tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, remember a Kentucky Fried movie? Catholic school girls in trouble? Ah, <laughs> uh, the Zuckers. And I I like uh, I like your idea with the, the Seiya jersey because it's also in the spirit of what they do in Japan where they wear the English. I think it, you know, I don't know why exactly that they do that. And um, Yeah, it's, 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 it's always been weird to me that um, that they do that. That they, they anglicize it. homage to American inventing the ba- baseball, and they—I don't know—but uh, it's kind of cool, you know. And it sort of helps when, if you happen to be watching Japanese baseball, if you don't know all the players. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably—it's probably like all right, for the stupid Americans, right? Just put well, the we name, appreciate put the name on in English, and then they'll know who it is. Remember, That's it was a like really a, good idea. it was like a big deal. When um, the Mariners put Ichiro on the back of his jersey instead of Suzuki, yeah. Uh, in fact, the uh, Mariners had a very funny commercial then where all the guys were wearing their first names, <laughs> like Brett Boone is taking a bad page. It just says Brett, and it was funny. And so there were like three, like there were like three marks standing next to each other, and Lou Pinello <laughs> looks at the guy and is like, "We're gonna have to fix this." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know why. Maybe Say doesn't want to, but I don't think he gets the option. I think he should at least have the option, right? Because we know it exists. You can buy it at like Sports World or whatever. For are we still doing Players Weekend? Maybe we could do it for that. I don't know. Now when now like Brad Boxberger, he got to wear emojis, right? He did. Didn't he have a box and a burger? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I believe that's right. I think it. Yes. Um, I always said that if I got to play on Players Weekend and I was a batter, my nickname on the back would be In Play Runs. <laughs> with a parenthesis. And if I was a pitcher, I could do In Play Outs. <laughs> yes, with the parenthesis around the S. I think that'd be a good one. Yeah, the last time they did the Players Weekend thing, they did the stupid Spy vs. Spy jerseys, right? Where they were either all yeah. white or they were all black. It was just right. awful. You can't like, see. <laughs> like, who was the idiot who came up with this brilliant idea? Right. At least we know not to do that again. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'd love to mess up the uniform. Those awful Fourth of July trucker hats. Those are embarrassing. Just the, terrible. The Degrom, the the, the uh, Saint Lucie, oh, yeah. that might take the cake. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. It had like a weird, I don't know, there was like this big brown swath across the front and then a <laughs> logo. It could be like back in the day, somebody could have said, I think Yosh Kawano should pitch for the Cubs. And poor little Yosh has to go out there with the gardener's hat on. He probably would have been more effective than some of the guys, that mm-hmm. in the, especially in the early 80s. I don't think that rule change is going to fly. I got to tell you, I think I have a lot of great ideas. I don't think they're going to take any of them. It's kind of depressing. Well, be happy with Manfred Mann. <laughs> to be my one, the one thing I accomplish in my illustrious career is I 
right. half-assed part-time writer and podcasters. On on one local broadcast, I got I slipped a nickname in for something that hopefully will go away. Um, what is your what is your, well what is your stance on the of the uh, efficacy of the free runner in extra innings? Oh, I I hate it. It's just uh, I mean I hate to sound like an old man, but it's just it, it it ceases to become baseball. I think it's not necessary. I think what they should do is have ties because ties do ha- have happened in the history of baseball. They even put them in the standings at one time. If you want to stop the game and stop the game, we don't need a winner. You know, give, give people, you know, give them a point for getting there to a tie. If you need to stop the game, it's better than having whatever this monstrosity is where it's just, you put a runner on and it just screws up the stats and it's not baseball anymore. It's something else. So I, I hate it. I hate it. it. It feels to me like it's a it's a solution in search of a problem. Yeah, it's there's they, something I understand not wanting to have a 17 inning game, but I don't know. There just aren't that many of them. But like no. I said, don't play them. Don't play then. Then stop the game and we're tied and that's yeah. it. And there's no winner or loser. I, I mean, I, the other thing is it's how is it any different I guess the the only thing it really changes is instead of a string of scoreless innings in extra innings, you end up with a string of one-run innings. Yeah, or... You know, because you do see it occasionally where a game will still go 12 or 13 innings, and chances are that free runner scored most of the time. Because, you, I mean, if you watch, if your team is the road team and they only score one run in the 10th, you feel like, oh, shit. Because right. it's almost a given, unless you're the Cubs, who nine of the last ten times they've come up with the with the ex with the free runner, they haven't scored him. How about that? Ninety <laughs> percent of the time. But every other Is that team. Legit? Or are you being? No, that's legit. Really? That's uh, courtesy of Evan Altman, uh, another Cub oh. writer. Who, I'm glad uh, people pay attention. Was so frustrated by it, he looked it up and went, "Oh God." <laughs> it's true. Um, so other than the Cubs, teams seem to score that guy. So. Yeah. It doesn't. What does that accomplish then? Instead of you know, if it's the same, I, I it was Jim Deshays who basically said, just it's fine to have that extra runner, but it shouldn't start in the tenth. Right. Play a couple. Play, play, if you get to the twelfth, fine. Throw the extra guy out. Most get most extra innings would be over by then. You wouldn't need it. But then, because if the whole goal of it is to just avoid the one odd like like you said, a seventeen inning game or the. Didn't the Cardinals and somebody played a the Cardinals and Mets played like a twenty three inning game a few years ago? Some ridiculous yeah. thing like that. If that's the only thing you're trying to that is effectively stopping, that hardly ever happens. So right. save the f- extra runner. Um, the other thing you could do would be then to if start adding runners. Mm-hmm. So in the in the tenth you get one guy on. If it gets to the if it gets to the eleventh, then they got runners the first and second. I'd like to see how we put four guys on. A couple of guys just standing. Well, with the way the White Sox run bases. It, <laughs> right. They would look We've perfectly normal it. to have a guy just like wandering sure. between second and third. I stand correct. Um, by far the best part of that, the ridiculous triple play they hit into the other night, the 8-5 triple play against the Twins, was the shot of Tony La Russa. <laughs> Bewildered. 
I mean, right. he's at, he's at that age now. He's what 76, 77, 78, 78, where he doesn't close his mouth a lot. <laughs> so he always has the huh look perpetually. But then you could literally, as they cut to him sitting on this weird perch, where he was like higher than he should be, and like he was on like a high chair or something yeah. in the dugout. It's too easy to make him look like a buffoon. So, I mean, he, you know, he's already got the mouth half open. And then he, when he got confused, it opened about 30% more. And then he really knew he was confused. Oh, what was that? He turned 78 in October, by the way. So. His 78th year. Do you think he dyes his hair? Do I think? <laughs> There's no, I mean... I hope so. I hope that's what that is. <laughs> it's too, I mean, it's, in a way it's too bad. I, he was, he was doing hairspray commercials, you know, that was his, when he became famous or whatever, that was his thing. He did hairspray commercials. Well, I mean, dads. for a 78 year old man, he's got, he's still got a good head of hair. Yeah. It's I mean, just, he's got a bald spot, but he's right. But he can maneuver around that without right. having to go full Lou Henson. Right. Um, but it's like, okay, Tony, who are you fooling with the brown hair? Right. He, Just he's, let it go, man. You're old. I mean, I, like I wonder it. how white it would be if he didn't do anything. But he's got to salt and pepper a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. I think it must have been 17. When all of a sudden, Joe Madden's hair was getting slightly darker. Right. And then finally, after like, I mean, kids. You know, it'd be, they do the post game, and then its hair wasn't was like it was kind of white, but not real white. And then the next day, it was kind of light brown. And then it was, and finally somebody asked him, and he was ready. And yeah. he basically gave a plug for whatever shampoo he was using that would gradually turn his hair brown. <laughs> and they're like, "Why are you doing it?" He's like, "Oh, I had a friend gave it to me." It's like, "Oh, well, cool. Well, there's a perfect explanation." <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if a friend gave it to you, Joe, of course you got to use it. Are you going to stick with it? No. No, at some point I'll probably shave it off and grow back white, and that's exactly what he did. But yeah, um, he's constantly amusing himself. We talked about his. That was us that were talking about his. Um, yeah, it was about his demise. Yeah, his his demise and his the haircut that he got and that he wanted to oh, spring yeah. up. <laughs> that was great. Got, that's <laughs> the best. So for people who don't know. Uh, the Angels in the throes of what ended up being a like an 11-game losing streak? 14? 14. That was 14. So they were at like 10. And Joe decided he's going to fire up the troops. Got a mohawk. Shows up for work that day. Uh, Perry, not not Perry Mason, but Perry Manassian. Uh, <laughs> Joe, could you stop by the office? <laughs> so he gets the mohawk and gets fired. And nobody ever gets to see the mohawk. Oh, he just man. got a mohawk. That's like, oh. I'm sure his wife liked it anyway, so it didn't matter. Sure. All right. Well, I think I've, I think we've solved a lot of problems tonight. That's why we do this. Yes. Livened up the draft. Um, some great ideas about um, all kinds of stuff. I can't wait. I'll be ex- expecting the call from uh, Rob Manfred to uh, walk him through the logistics of the. Uh, super draft that should happen, and they, I don't know why they couldn't do it this year. He's forty-eight the, hours, even. Yeah, he's the he just tells tells the teams on they everybody starts showing up on uh, Sunday night for the All Star festivities. He's like, oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> on, uh, 
on Tuesday, we're going to have a little draft. Um, it's probably going to be about 60 players changing teams. <laughs> so get ready for that. Like, what? Yeah. It could happen. No, it might not happen. All right. Well, um, we're getting now down. To the All-Star game is, is looming. The trade deadline is coming up. I'm sure you have circled on your calendar the coming up right after the trade deadline, the uh, Field of Dreams game with the Cubs and the Reds. That's mm. a great showcase for baseball. Um, but it's going to be fall before you know it. Oh, yeah. Bears. My uh, my grandpa used to always say, we like it would be all the 4th of July stuff. And they'd be like, well, summer's over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah, that's great. Thanks a lot. Summer's not over, folks. Although the days are getting shorter. Slowly. But they're getting shorter. All right, well, uh, so the next time we do this, the day will, will be slightly shorter than today. Okay, well, I look forward to that. All right. All right, well, thanks, we'll, man. We'll see you then. Okay. Many of us have herpes.